Hello and welcome back to Season 6 of the Referendum Podcast, brought to you by FinFlamSports.com with your host Big John and lead analyst Jesse J. Hello and welcome back to the referendum. I am your host, Big John, brought to you by FinFlamSports.com, and we are live with Jesse J. Jesse, how you doing? Good. How about you? Pretty well. An interesting week of uh, week fourteen. Some uh, noticeable, some notable headlines, I should say. Uh, Justin Herbert out for the season. The Patriots maybe maybe moving on for Bill Belichick. Um, any other uh, big stories from you that you know of, or what? No, I think the Herbert thing. It- it it might give Brandon Staley an excuse because Herbert got hurt to maybe for them to keep him as head coach. They should just move off of him, hire a new coach, and just be done with it. And then with Bill Belichick, obviously that season has gone south. It, to me, it would be a little bit interesting for them to move off of him after having presumably a top quarterback, a, a new young top quarterback. Because the one thing you can't say about the Patriots is that when they did draft Mac Jones, I believe – he was the fourth quarterback prospect taken behind Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, and Justin Fields. So I just it's interesting to me that they'd move off of him when they're going to get a top quarterback prospect. Well, it's something that I've said since um, basically halfway through the season. His, his ability to draft is not strong. He has a horrible drafting record as a head coach. Um, anything else you want to add before we move on? Uh, no, I think that I think that about does it. Okay, well. Um, Let's review the Monday Night Football games. Uh, the first one, uh, the Tennessee Titans defeated the Miami Dolphins 28-27. I thought Will Levis did a good job in this game, and Tyreek getting hurt or at least knocked out for a second. Just he was their off. He is their offense. If anybody has anything to, to say or criticize Tyreek about regarding his MVP um, candidacy or the type of player he is, look at the Dolphins' offense. Tyreek Hill is that guy. He is. And probably should be the lead candidate for MVP, but it always was to a quarterback. Um, I still say Tyreek Hill's going to break 2,000, 2000 yards. I think he's sitting around 1,700 plus right now. But um, a good game from Will Levis, and congratulations to the Tennessee Titans. Um, people people have been criticizing Will, um, Will Levis about his body. I don't know if you've seen this, Jess. They say he's too good in shape. He looks too strong. If you look at the guy's biceps, they're fucking gigantic. Um, he's in really good shape. He takes chances. He's got a clutch gene. To me, he plays better than Anthony Richardson. He's stronger. He's tougher. And all-around player, he plays better. He can take hits. The, the guy was going head first into so many of these players um, on defense. Will Levis took them all, and he ran right through them. So congratulations to, to Will Levis, DeAndre Hopkins, and the Tennessee Titans. Um, what are your thoughts on this game? So for me, I thought Will Levis played pretty well, considering the fact he doesn't have a ton of weapons. Really, the only proven weapon he has outside of Derrick Henry at running back is DeAndre Hopkins at receiver. And if you look at DeAndre Hopkins, uh, he, he was really the only guy who, other than Tajay, other than Tajay Spears, who's a running back, he was the only guy who got more targets than a running back. And I think what we're seeing with Will Levis is that he is playing well with a sporting cast that's not great. You have Derrick Henry, who wasn't overly effective in this game, only 70 carries for 34 yards. He had two touchdowns, not overly effective. But what did the Titans do? 
they found ways to get the ball to Tajay Spears, who's a really electric running back. You you force feed DeAndre Hopkins, seven catches, 124 and a touchdown. And then you have Okongwu, the tight end, work in, and then guys just descending from there. I think what what we've seen is Tennessee just they don't have a ton of talent, but Mike Vrabel's a really good coach. And if there's any coach that's gonna maximize the talent you do have, it's Mike Vrabel. I think that's fair to say. Let's move on to our next game. The New York Giants defeated the Green Bay Packers 24 to 22. I like Tommy DeVito. Um, I think it's a great story. Uh, he's a Jersey boy. Still lives, still lives with his mother. I think my father told me that um, he's making around $20,000 or something like that. I, I don't really remember. It was something something around that number. Then I seen that somewhere else. Um, and then they had, before the game started, his agent on the sideline looking like the Inspector Gadget from the Mafia. I thought it was a, a pretty good uh, thing for, for optics, for just from him being from Jersey and the, the entire, you know, stereotype that comes with with, uh, with those areas um, regarding Italians. Um, probably unfair, but it's funny. Um, he did good. Sopranos. Just say the Sopranos. That's what you're thinking. Just say the Sopranos. I was not thinking the Sopranos. He's not gangster enough to be a Soprano that I know of. But Scott Van Pelt had me laughing because they called him Tommy, um, Tommy Cutlets. I thought that was excellent. Pretty fucking good. But Tommy DeVito won 17 for 21 um, in this game. 158 yards, one touchdown. He did enough. And his ability to scramble has been um, gone unnoticed. I don't know why, but um, he did a good job. He had a very good run um, to score a touchdown. And uh, he got he had 10 carries for 71 yards. Uh, he almost scored a touchdown. I'm sorry. Um, Saquon Barkley did decent in this game. Too many carries um, just for 86 yards. He seems like he's winding down himself. But um, Wandale Robinson did good as well. Um, any, any thoughts on this game, Jess? Be- uh, and before we go to the Green Bay part, on the, on the Giants part? So I think what we're learning about Tommy DeVito is that he – he, I don't know if he's a long-term quarterback at all, but the fact he can just take care of the ball and he's got some mobility, he's already 75, 80% the player Daniel Jones is, and he's a rookie. Mm-hmm. I, like, I'm not trying to be unfair to Daniel Jones, but like this is one of the reasons you don't pay Daniel Jones is because he, they do the, almost the same thing, except Daniel Jones has proven to be injury-prone. Tommy Vito's come in and looked pretty solid. I if if I were the Giants, I would try to find a way to get out of the Daniel Jones contract. And if that means you have to pay someone like Tommy Vito nothing and bring in a a low level backup, fine. But if you're the Giants, you just can't stay stuck with Daniel Jones. He was mm-hmm. clearly reasons. He wasn't the reason they were struggling, but he wasn't a part of the solution. I couldn't agree more. Um, well, you got people calling for him to compete against Daniel Jones, even with the big contract. Um, you said earlier in the season that Daniel Jones should be cut. And the Giants should just take that um, that hit on the salary, just to get away from him because he's not he's not good at all. Um, do you still feel that way? Yeah. No. Uh, see, ask around, see if somebody will trade for him, or just straight up cut him and move on from it. Eat the eat the cap hit. You have Tommy DeVito who's not making any money at all. I'd resign Tyrod Taylor if you have to, and just move on. The worst thing you do is have Daniel Jones there and him playing when you know he's not your future. How much money does that free up for the Giants next year? Any or none? I think it'd be a big cap hit. I, I don't know the specifics of his contract, but my guess is the next two years, they'd be eating a lot of money. But at this point, unless you're going to find a team that's willing to take his contract and some of the money, I just I don't really know what you can do if you're the Giants other than move off of him and start to build the foundation of your team. And if that means you get a quarterback later, fine. If that means that Tommy De- DeVito is a stopgap or maybe he develops into someone who you like, fine. But you can't go roll in the next season with Daniel Jones because we're seeing he's clearly he's clearly a quarterback with a 
with a low ceiling and someone like Tommy DeVito, who we didn't really even know of, he, he's come in and he's looked mostly like Daniel Jones, if not maybe a little bit more, I don't want to say like mobile, but he looks a little, maybe a little bit more mobile and he, and he hasn't gotten hurt. So if you just look at Daniel Jones, I think that entire situation is bad. Everyone knew this was a bad idea to pay him and it's blown up in their face. Now it's just time to eat it and move on. He's won three of the past four games, Jess. It, it, you look at you look you look at them. All of a sudden, I mean, they've got a pretty hard finish to the end of the season. But you look at them; they're not far out of the playoff picture. They right now are they're the 12th seed, but the teams in front of them are all six and seven, six and seven, six and seven, six and seven, six and seven. It's not impossible if they if they played their best football over the next month, they maybe get in position for a wild card. I don't think it'll happen because they play the Saints. The Eagles twice. twice. The, yeah, they play the Saints, the Eagles, the Rams, and the Eagles again. That's a tough four-game stretch to finish out the season. But with mm-hmm. the way the Rams have looked and the way the Saints have played, they could win two, maybe three of those games. And you never know, considering how bad the NFC is right now. Or at least right. they're wild couple teams. No, that's, I think that's fair. Um, I haven't seen that much excitement in Brian Dayball since he left Buffalo. So just whatever camaraderie that they had just in that game, I was surprised to see because I think Brian Dayball is an overrated coach who shouldn't have gotten um, coach of the year last year. But um, he played to the crowd. And if you watch the game, if you notice that the they didn't want to go for it on fourth down, the crowd was booing him. And he said, fuck it. You know what? Even Troy Aikman said, I don't want to use the term and I hate the term. What else do you have to lose? And he went for it and he got the fourth down conversion. But you're showing that you're putting faith and confidence in your team, no matter how bad it is right now to go above and beyond to do something better than that than they're doing now. And I thought that was pretty uh, telling of where the Giants could actually head with Tommy DeVito as, as a starting quarterback. Um, so I, I I think he fits perfectly. It kind of reminds me of a fucking Joe Namath kind of thing in uh, in New York. Brian DeBall needed this from Tommy DeVito, mainly because that team had kind of lost confidence and they seemed like they were losing confidence in Brian DeBall. So you have Tommy DeVito comes in, he comes in – He's able to win some games, and I think you see more confidence in that team. Even if they don't make the playoffs, even if you only win six or seven games this year. The fact that they were able to recover in the middle of the season instead of this season completely going south and them getting a top-five pick, I think that's a testament to DeBall being able to right the ship and DeVito giving him enough confidence to recover in, in the middle of the season. Well, going to the Packers, Jordan Love looked sloppy in this game. Almost Pretty bad, pretty damn bad. Just on the, a lot of the throws he was making, he went twenty-five for thirty-nine. So fourteen of his fucking passes didn't get caught, and a big reason of that is because he overthrew him. He threw ugly passes. He threw a pick. Um, the the reaction from his head coach, I thought was weird. You don't ever see that with the head coach, where every bad pass, every it seemed like he was straining because Jordan Love wasn't going to make the right pass, and when he didn't. The, uh, how do you say this, Jess? The, um, he was really animated on the sideline whenever Jordan Love threw a ball. And when mm-hmm. it wasn't right, he became even more animated. Um, which I don't think for a head coach, I mean, you are human, but it doesn't instill any confidence into your own quarterback. We're talking about Brian Dable and um, Tommy DeVito. Well, Jordan Love's still young. He's in his rookie season. What do you expect? Well, it, that this was guy- kind of telling to me because it's like, okay, do you want to move on from this guy? Because a lot of the numbers between him and Aaron Rodgers at this point in their careers and their rookie seasons are the same. I, I think for me, this goes back to last week. Last week, you saw Jordan Love on Sunday Night Football. He had one of his best games, maybe his best game against the Chiefs. 
But what happened in that game? You saw a lot of jump balls, <laughs> balls. Christian Watson won one of them. And they were able to make some plays on the ball. And they were able to win that game. They put It felt like the Packers put a lot into beating the Chiefs. And that Jordan Love threw a lot of balls up. And the Packers were able to win most of them. And they were able to win the game. In this game, it felt like a similar thing happened. They don't have Christian Watson, who is their probably when he's healthy, he's probably their most dynamic receiver. Mm-hmm. They then, in this game, you get Jordan Love, who does play erratic, and now he's starting to miss passes. And this is this is the good and the bad of Jordan Love. Is that Against the Chiefs, it was working. Against the Giants in this game, it wasn't working all the time. And part of my issue with a team like the Packers is that it's going to come down to quarterback play and coaching with them. And what we saw in this game is a team that is not maybe ready to be a consistent winner because they can't carry things over from week to week. And with Jordan Love, we're seeing him up and down, up and down, up and down. They, against the Chiefs, they're throwing everything at the Chiefs, and it's working. Against the Giants, it's just it's a mess. And to me, that just comes down to coaching quarterback in that relationship and the confidence that you can get out of a funk at any time. And a game like this, the Packers battled, and they were right there, but it just seemed like they were off at times. And I wonder if that goes back to the relationship between LaFleur and Love. So the running game on the Packers, it seemed to be distributed well. But tell me who the number one receiver is for the Packers if Christian Watson's out. Oh, that's the problem. I don't, I don't know. I don't think they have one. Because I'm looking at these numbers right now, because on, on, on the rushing aspect for the running backs, I thought it was actually spread out well. The receiving, there's a guy named Jaden Reed. I may have probably seen him play, but I don't know the name. He had eight, eight targets, their, or eight receptions at least. He He's a rookie. He is probably their second best receiver. Dobbs has shown a lot of up. Dobbs has shown good ability, but he's been injured too. He's had some of the same issues Christian Watson has had. The, the problem is with the Packers is that they've got a lot of young players, and they're not, they're not able to carry things over week to week and build. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. been a lot of inconsistent play, and that's what we saw in this game is that you don't have Christian Watson, and what happened? You lose a game they probably should have won. And you went from being a team that you're surging, maybe a playoff wildcard team, and now you're kind of on the bubble again. Well, this was your team last week to watch out for heading forward. Do you still feel that way? I, or we could get to that later, but I think it goes back to I think it goes back to LaFleur though. Like I just it feels like this team is uneven. And of course Jordan Love is going to be uneven. He's a quarterback with his first this is his first real season of playing actual games. To me, that's on coaching. You have to be able to know that, hey, our quarterback just had the biggest high he could have on Sunday night football beating the defending champions. It might not be the same this week. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to create easy throws for him. We're going to try to, if, if it's tough for him and he's having a rough game, we're going to try to give him easy throws and right. plays that he can go to that he's comfortable with. And it feels like LaFleur hasn't really done that with love, which has led to a lot of uneven play. So you may know this. Is this the youngest team in the NFL? The Packers, I believe they're one of the younger teams in the NFL. Because especially their, their offense is incredibly young. Well, that's what I'm saying. That you've already named two or three players just alone, who are who are rookies, and that's what I just I I don't I don't know. So I figured I'd ask the professor. You should know. Um, yeah. You have Christian Watson, who's in his second year. You have Romeo Dobbs, who's in the second year. You have Jaden Reed, who's uh, a rookie. You have uh, Luke Musgraves on that team. I don't think he had a catch, but he is a rookie. They have a ton of young talent on offense, but they're just they're completely uneven right now. One week, they look like the best offense in the NFL. 
another week they they look like a struggling team with a lot of young pieces and to me that kind of comes down to coaching with uh matt lafleur because you're supposed to be the person who is able to identify when your team is struggling and have some stuff to go to now i mean it's not like they got blown out against the giants but it's games like this where the packers gonna have to learn how to win those games if they learn how to win the game yeah, if you want to be a playoff team, you've got to learn how to win those games. What do they do going forward? Do they? I mean, do you talk? To, do you talk to the quarterback coach? Do you talk to the receivers coach? I mean, I, would, watching the game, you would think that the receivers were actually probably in the right positions. It's just he kind of overthrew. So do they? Ha- does the receiver coach have to go and say, "Listen, you know he's going to be fucked up, so now you got to do something different to go to match your game with his," or does? the quarterback and the head coach go to the go to the quarterback himself and say listen you got to get this shit right because you're overthrowing the receivers you're not you're not putting them in the right we, we got them in the right spots but you're not throwing to the right spots how does that work what's the dynamic between so, that, uh, that that order of or of 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 operation on that shit i think with i think with lafleur it's about getting a comfort level with jordan love learning what plays he likes and what plays that they execute well and in a game like this they didn't run the ball that great, which is going to be hard for a young quarterback. Against the Chiefs, they ran the ball pretty well. In this game, they didn't run the ball overly great. I think some of it is maybe just sticking with the run a little bit more and trying to give Love a little bit more confidence with plays he's really good at running. You have to have a set four, five, six plays that you know you can go to that he can execute, uh, especially as you get late in the game or at a critical point. And I don't really feel like the Packers have had that all year. What's crazy is they're, they're coming off of I think a two or three game win streak, and then they fall to the Giants. But well, again, everything's in patterns in the NFL. Win. If you win this game, you're probably going to make playoffs. Now it's more kind of up in the air. So that that's just that's going to happen with a young team. But with a coach who has coached in big games like Matt Lafleur, I would expect a little bit more out of it. Okay. Well, moving on. What was your game of the week, Jess, for Week 14? My game of the week was the Rams at the Ravens. Overtime win for the Ravens. Back and forth game. This is the type of game that makes me concerned about the Ravens going into the playoffs because they'll have games like this where they're they're better than the Rams. And the Rams played great. I thought the Rams probably showed the most they have all season and that they could actually maybe surprise a couple teams in the playoffs. But this is a game, if you're the Ravens, you, you, you come out with a win, but man, that, that, that Rams defense is incredibly young. And I'm not sure you're going to be able to do that in terms of some of the stuff they ran against teams with better secondaries and more veteran players that I do worry about the, I know it reads that the Ravens scored a lot of points, 37, 31 overtime win. I'd be concerned if I were a Ravens fan about the offense. Cause I don't think you're going to be able to do the same things you did to a young defense to a veteran defense. Jess, this was, this was also my game of the week. Um, the, the, the Ravens should have lost his game. And there were so many penalties. There were so many holding calls. Me just watching the game, yelling at the TV that they are not calling. And the refs are right behind these linemen protecting Lamar Jackson in front of their face. And they're not being called. The refs have become a massive story of the NFL since week one. I have discussed that nonstop because the erratic behavior of no calls or actual calls are killing the game. This is ridiculous. On the last play when they had that fucking, um, I think it was the punt return, and they're running it back, two blocking the backs. Two of them before they scored that, scored that touchdown. Not one of them called. Not one. That's ridiculous. That's stupid. Matthew Stafford played excellent in this game. I thought. 
I think this was the, the Rams' best game of the season that the fucking Ravens should have lost. And the Ravens should have lost this game because of fucking penalties that weren't called. That's stupid. Well, what if this and what if that? Matthew Stafford went 23 for 41. Not the best ratio, but 294 yards and three touchdowns and no picks. No picks. That's the most important thing. He played excellent. He played really well. And the defense actually stepped up. Early on, though, the offensive line from the, from the Baltimore Ravens was killing Matthew Stafford. It was killing them. And I don't remember if at first it was the, the Ravens had scored a high amount of points. Excuse me. But they came back and they had the lead. The Ravens shouldn't have won this game. This goes to what you've been saying, what I've been saying. The Ravens are overrated. They cannot go up against a strong defense. No matter what the fucking win columns say or the loss columns, they should not have won this game. They're, they are overrated. They're like the Eagles. They're like the Chiefs. I don't trust them at all. I still think that the Rams are the better team. The Rams will continue to be the better team, and they're only going to get stronger and better. They're looking like the Rams from a couple years ago when they went to the Super Bowl. If they, they, they were on a fucking three-game win streak. They should have won this game. And honestly, going back to the refs, the refs blew the call against the Steelers when it was the Rams versus the Steelers. And Matthew Stafford and all of them were going berserk because the fucking ref placed the ball two yards back when he went over the fucking line to convert the for the first down. I, I've had it with the referees. This makes you not want to watch football. It, I seriously mean it. You can't get shit right. There's no penalties. There's no sky judge. There's nobody to fucking say, fix this now. No, no matter what happened, we need to fucking fix this shit. People's money's on the line. This is ridiculous. A multi-billion dollar fucking industry a professional football, and you guys can't get shit right, this does not put trust in me as a consumer to watch your product. That's my game of the week. What you got next, Jess? <laughs> um, well, just to finish up with this, to me, this came down to the Ravens won because the Ravens blew a couple coverages late, at least when the when the Ravens tied the game late, or I think they took the lead late. This came down to the Ravens blowing coverages because they have young players who are playing in close NFL games that don't really have a ton of experience. I don't necessarily know if the Ravens going to be able to do that against teams with better veteran secondaries than what the Rams has, which is just a, it's a ton of young players. And what we saw in this game is that the Rams blew some coverages late, and that's mainly why they lost this game. And my issue all year, or at least, especially since Mark Andrews has gotten hurt, is can you do that against a team with a better secondary that isn't going to have some of the same mistakes a team like the Rams are going to have, who they play a ton of young players on defense? Well, I think that my... Uh screaming at the TV with uh, you talk about blown coverages. I believe his name, his, his number is number two. I just clicked off the, the stats, but I believe his, his number is number two, and I believe his name is Yeast. They cooked him all game. They made that Yeast and got their dough. They cooked that guy. I don't know who he is. I think he's a rookie, if I'm not mistaken, but the guy fucking sucks on the Rams, on defense, in their secondary. Not good at all. Jess, let's move on to the top three players of the week. Clutch players of the week. Who's your number one? Dak Prescott. Same here. Would you like me to go to my number two? No. Dak went 24 for 39, 271 yards, and two touchdowns. He didn't throw a pick. He played really well. Even he said he could have played better at the yeah. uh, in the press conference after the game. If he plays yeah. better in the playoffs against the Eagles, the Eagles have no chance, no chance to beat the Dallas Cowboys. If they play like this, and he didn't turn the ball over, and he still doesn't turn the ball over. And what I think he said he was about 60% or 40%, 50%. The Eagles have 
no no chance of beating the Cowboys. The Eagles were exposed in this game. So for me, this game came down to like it's pretty simple. Dak played well, and it's not like he he only had what seven yards in the attempt. But if you just, I mean, he just he was he was he was he made all the right decisions in this game. And if you go back to the other team on the other side, the Eagles, the biggest issue the Eagles have is that they are a boom or bust offense. They either hitting the big plays or they're not hitting the big plays, which means they have to run the ball and grind out every possession. And what's happened this year is they've not been as efficient as they were last year. So when they've hit the big plays, everything's been great. But when they've had to go on these 10, 15 play drives, it just hasn't been good. And a lot of the results have been mixed. And what we saw is that the Cowboys are, I think they're doing what you want to do. They are surging in December and they look like they might be a team that could be Super Bowl bound. And I, I, this is something I kind of went to at the beginning of the season. And then the Cowboys lost and bottomed out after they lost to the 49ers. But we're seeing them rebound now. The, the Cowboys are a legit Super Bowl contender. To me, I think they're the most dangerous team in the NFC. They have one thing left in front of them because I think they are the better team than the Eagles. Their one thing is if you play the 49ers, can you beat them? That is the one yep. thing and the one question I have with the Cowboys. Yep, I agree 100%. Um, who's your number two, Jess? Your number two clutch player of the week? It's Tommy D. It's not like he had overly big passing numbers, but I just thought, given what I thought Tommy D was going to be, his first couple series against the Jets and that terrible game, uh, he's actually looked way better over the last month. So, Tommy D. Second player for me. Okay, nice. Well, my clutch player of the week was Zach Wilson. Uh, he went 27 for 36, 301 yards, two touchdowns. Arguably, this is his best game of his entire professional career. He played damn well. He actually looked like a leader. And what's crazy is, Jess, you and I spoke about spoke last week about how he didn't want to even come back into the lineup to start for the Jets. I think that speaks poorly of coaching. I think it uh, – I'm not saying Zach Wilson's going to be a great quarterback. By any means, I think he, like he, we've seen enough of him to know that he's not very good. But I think him not wanting to come back in speaks that poorly of Nathaniel Hackett and coaching. And that's kind of my issue with them bringing in Aaron Rodgers and all of the, his all of his friends. Is that Zach mm-hmm. Wilson, the two times he's played really well this season was against the Chiefs. What happened? The Jets got down. And then Zach Wilson just started kind of running around and making plays. In this game, Zach Wilson looked comfortable. And he looked he looked like he wasn't thinking he went out there and played. He was playing. So I don't think Zach Wilson is that great. And I think this might just be an anomaly, but it's a, he played well enough for me to think if I'm a team with a good coach, could I trade for this guy and maybe try to develop him as a backup or bring him in to compete with a, uh, another quarterback. I love your comment about Nathaniel Hackett. Um, That's a very good point that I haven't heard anybody make really. So that that's, that's pretty fair. I think it's actually pretty funny that he's beaten more teams that are over 500 than Dak Prescott. That's pretty fucking funny to me. Now, I don't know what the remaining schedule is for the Jets. We'll get probably to that later. Um, but I I think mathematically, they're still not out of the uh, playoff hunt. I get it. I'll tell you what the Jets remaining schedule is right now. It okay. is it is in Miami against the Dolphins. Oof. Home against the Washington Commanders. Home against the, or on the road against, excuse me, on the road against the Cleveland Browns. And then on the road playing the Patriots. So you have three games where I think they probably will be favored. Maybe two of them. And and your toughest game is probably on the road against the Dolphins. But a, a team I think they could compete pretty well against because you're a division rival. We'll yep, see yep. how healthy the Dolphins are. 
That that one might be a game that could surprise people. That that's this weekend. Yeah, that's going to be really good. If he plays the way he did this week, and what you know, Jess, we know as football fans, the Jets' defense is really good. He yeah, just couldn't. He just didn't need to turn the ball over. They're one of the best defenses. They they are one of the best defenses. They probably are a little bit too far out because there's a lot of seven and six teams. Uh, they're they're probably not going to be in position to be a wild card. But I still think the last four games, the last month of the season is important for the Jets because you want to go into next season as a team that believes they can win and make the playoffs. Mm. Who's your third uh, clutch player of the week? Will Levis came back on Monday Night Football and let a, he let a comeback win against the Dolphins. I thought, given, the, given some of the limitations Tennessee has, especially with some of their skill players offensively, him coming back and leading that drive was huge. And that's something you want to see out of a young quarterback. Though I say this. Because I really like Mike Vrabel, and I think he's a really good coach. He is one of the best That's coaches right. at maximizing the talent of a team. The Titans are not overly talented. But what they have, they are 5-8 and eight this year, and they're not an overly talented team. And that's purely because Mike Vrabel knows how to get the most out of his team. He is a great adjuster. No, no, you're exactly right. I, I think you're 100% right. Okay, well, my third player of the week is Drake London, wide receiver from the Atlanta Falcons, had 10 receptions. For 172 yards, a monster game, a monster game, and they lost. But those, Dak Prescott, Zach Wilson, and Drake London are my three uh, clutch players of the week. Um, remind us of who your three players were real quick, Jess. Uh, Dak Prescott, Tommy DeVito, and Will Levis. Okay, nice. Well, let's move on to the uh, five disappointments of the week, of week 14. I'm going to start off. Going off of uh, what I just said about Drake London, they fucking lost. So my... Number one disappointment is the Atlanta Falcons. The streak is over in Atlanta. Desmond Ritter is no longer undefeated at home. Baker Mayfield and company went in to beat their division rival. So I believe this is actually a second loss at home. Is it? Yeah, they lost to Josh Dobbs the week they traded for him. But that was Heineke. That wasn't uh, Desmond Ritter. Uh, no, that was Desmond Ritter started that game. Oh, wait, no. Yeah, that was Taylor Heineke. My bad. That was Taylor Heineke. Yeah, I watch football. Um, wait, the Commanders also beat him at home. Yeah, right. Really? 24 to 16. With Desmond Ritter or Heineke? Desmond Ritter. He went 28 to 47 for 307, two touchdowns and three picks. Oh, my God. That's a terrible game. Holy shit. He okay, well, I stand corrected, guys. Maybe I don't oh watch football. Goodness. I could Yeah, I got the game wrong, but I could have swore I'd seen him lose at home. This is So this was the second loss at home. Okay. Okay, well, never mind. The Atlanta Falcons still lost. They still have a horrible quarterback. They still have a horrible organization. They still have a horrible head coach. Arthur Smith is horrible. Desmond Ritter is garbage. The front office is horrible, even more fucking trash, because they're willing to keep this motherfucker. They made another announcement two days ago about keeping Arthur Smith as their head coach. No matter what happens, even if they miss the playoffs. But if you were to put Taylor Heineke, something Justin and I have harped on, who's a lot more fucking, um, he's better around the edges than Desmond Ritter is. To start your game since week one, they probably have two or three more wins. Something Jess, I think, said earlier in the year. Um, Desmond Ritter went 26 for 40, 347 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And they still lost. They still lost. Kyle Pitts, three receptions, 57 yards. Bijan Robinson, 10, uh, 10 carries for 34 yards. Excuse me. You do not know how to use your players. I don't care how good it is, this they are. You don't know how to good, use your fucking players, Arthur Smith. You don't. This has been my biggest complaint. You don't know how to use Taylor Heineke in your starting starting quarterback position. You don't know how to use Bijan Robinson. You don't know how to use fucking Kyle Pitts. 
That is stupid. The only bright spot of this game is fucking Drake London. That is ridiculous. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They won 29-25. That's my number one biggest disappointment of the week. Who's yours? My number one biggest, biggest disappointment. My, my number one, uh, excuse me, my number one biggest disappointment of the week is, are the Chiefs receivers. They were terrible. This this has been a re- recurring theme with the Chiefs all season, and it's something I kind of saw really early in the season. I think even if you go back to the week one podcast, I I talked about how it looked like they were going to have to add another receiver. Just even even not seeing Kelsey out there, it looked like they were going to have to add another receiver. And they, they've just continued to be a huge disappointment outside of Rasheed Rice. Mm-hmm. He, I'll give you some of the numbers. You had Kelsey, six catches, 83 yards. He's not, I know he's not a receiver, but six catches, 83 yards. Rasheed Rice, seven catches, 72 yards. Do you know who the third leading receiver was on the Chiefs in this game? Um, Against the Bills, was the 2017 loss. Do you know who the third leading receiver was? A running back. It was Clyde Edwards-Alaire at two catches. For I was going to say McKinnon. No, yeah, no, it was Clyde Edwards-Alaire at two catches for 29 yards. That's fucking horrible. Tony was their third leading receiver at three catches for 25 yards. That, again, I will go back to it. The Chiefs are wasting a year of Mahomes' career and a waste of it. Not just a year of his career, a year of his prime because they don't have adequate receivers. They trusted They trusted that Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony would take a step forward. They have not. Mm-hmm. You trusted mm-hmm. that MVS would be the same player he was, or even maybe a little bit better. He has been terrible this year. Mm-hmm. They don't have the weapons. It was pretty obvious early in the season they didn't have the weapons, but they doubled down on it and by not trading for anyone. And it might cost. It's probably going to cost them a chance at a Super Bowl, and not just Super Bowl repeating as Super Bowl champions because they didn't add another receiver. Their receivers have been downright awful, other than Rasheed Rice this year. I just, it, it's mind-boggling that they haven't seen that or didn't notice that hey if we just have one more weapon we'll be okay and yeah that for me they're my uh, number one disappointment of this weekend you know what's crazy is i've been harping i've been fucking dogging travis kelsey he's a phenomenal player he's a hall of famer he's a great player but he's not as great of a player as he was last year at this time this year he's had one touchdown in the past eight games one i don't care what anybody says taylor swift is a mass is a massive destruction i'm gonna go back to what i said a few weeks ago i said the same shit you disagree you are a hater you are a hater. You disagreed with me. Fuck Taylor Swift. You are a hater. ugly. How she can't you? sing. How dare you? I don't you? give a fuck. If nobody likes what I'm saying, How suck a dick. How Three, you? the thing is, too, he's checked out, Jess. You and I discussed this. Yeah, no, this I guy's don't, checked I, out. He doesn't want to play I think, anymore. I think you're full. No, I, I think you're full of shit. I think the biggest issue is that the Chiefs don't have anyone he could run combination routes with. They don't trust I, Rice to run a lot of the deeper routes. And when you don't have that, there's nobody else he can run combination routes with to free him up. Last year, that guy was Juju. And then even MVS, who was much better last season, they could run routes where they were where they were playing off of each other. They don't have that this year. They they have they their best receiver is a rookie who they don't trust to run routes. And they don't have anyone you trust other than maybe Justin Watson on a couple deep routes. None of these guys are usually in the right spot at the right time. Like uh, Kelsey's game would be much better if they just had someone that was a good route. Well, he's had one touchdown in the past eight games. You can't argue against that. On top of that, you said well, I'm full of shit. Well, but, well, when we were brought this argument I, up, no, when they, when I, they I, disclosed I, the fact that he didn't want to play anymore, or I, he, he I, actually was, ta- was contemplating retirement, you said, well, he doesn't want to play anymore either. It's still the same thing. It's not going to change. I have a question for you. Who would you guard out of the Chiefs' weapons in the red zone? Who would you guard? Because it's pretty obvious who teams are focusing on. It's Travis Kelsey. Kadarius Tony. Huh? Kadarius no. Tony. 
Kadarius Tony doesn't. He doesn't. He has what two touchdowns this season? I think. Kadarius Tony has one touchdown this season. Teams focus on Travis Kelsey in the red zone, which is why we've seen Rasheed Rice score more touchdowns because teams are throwing two and three guys at Travis Kelsey. We've seen Rasheed Rice start to get open in the red zone. Why? Because well, I'll tell you what also hurt the Chiefs. Justin Watson didn't even play this week. Yes, he did. He had one catch for 18 yards. No, was it last week? He played last week as well. No, there was some white guy on the fucking sideline who didn't fucking play. I, I don't know who you're talking about, but all I can tell you is that the Chiefs' biggest issue is them not adding one receiver when it was pretty obvious they needed to add one more receiver to be good enough offensively to win. And their inability to do that is... It should be a bad reflection off Andy Reid and Brett Beach not being able to identify that and make a correction because the Chiefs would be prohibitive favorites if they just had one more good NFL weapon. Well, the Chiefs aren't going to make the playoffs. Stop it. They are playing four backup quarterbacks to finish the season. And the backup quarterbacks have won games. The Chiefs haven't. Okay. Yeah. They're playing Bailey Zappi, Aiden O'Connell, Jake Browning, and Easton Stick. I didn't even know who Easton Stick was. Jake Browning has fucking won two straight games. Okay. The first one has won a game for New England. Who's okay. the other one? Okay. The Chiefs haven't won a game in three weeks. Okay. Quit being you a homer the, and be unbiased, Jess. The, who, you are talking about backup quarterbacks. Eight tell me, you're, are you going to tell me right now that the fucking receivers for the Kansas City Chiefs are better than Cincinnati's? No, but I think the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs are going to beat Cincinnati because I they played Cincinnati so much that I think that game will be twenty four to sixteen Chiefs. Yeah, you're, you're you're delusional. You're drunk. They just played the they just played the Bengals last year and they beat them twenty three to twenty with the starting quarterback. Yeah, I think the Chiefs' defense is good enough to hold down the Bengals' offense. Hell no. Chris Jones was nowhere to be seen. The Chiefs gave up 20 points in this game, despite the fact they had multiple turnovers and bad play offensively. They only gave up, and defensively, they gave up some plays, and they only gave up 20 points. The Chiefs' defense is good. Jess, if I ever hear you say again the Chiefs only gave up 20 points and they lost, the discussion's over. They lost. They still gave up 20 points because now, the other team won. Your the Chiefs are garbage. Your offense should be able to score more than 20 points. Like well, just, ours, ours, our offense did not. Okay, we so don't have an offense. Go back and tell you, you know how many games the Chiefs would have won if they only would have gave up 20 points last year? You're talking in hypotheticals. No, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you. Do you know how many games the Chiefs would have won if they only gave up 20 points last year? How many, Jess? The answer is all of them. They would have been undefeated if their defense had only given up 20 points a game. So, what, like, what are, what are we talking about? Like, the, the Chiefs have a really good defense. Their offense isn't quite good enough. But yeah, actually, this defense is better than it was last year. That's not saying because, much. On top of that, uh, our offense is 10 times worse than it was last year. But because, I mean, the AFC to me is real easy. And when it comes to the Chiefs, it's real easy. This is going to come down to them in the playoffs. They're going to be in the AFC championship game. They're probably going to have, it's either going to be a three or four point lead, or they'll be down by two with two minutes left in the game. It'll be some scenario like that where they're going to need to score points to put the game away. And it's going to come down to them either being able to score to take the lead or to put the game away and extend their lead. That's what it's going to come down to. I've been, I've been kind of saying it all year. It's going to come down to them either having to score points to take the lead or extend their lead. It'll probably be the AFC Championship game. I wouldn't trust their offense to be able to do it, but considering how bad the AFC is and how all of these teams have flaws, it would not be impossible for the Chiefs to make Super Bowl. Like it just, we. Oh my God. It, the Chiefs are not a great team this year. But the AFC is significantly down. A team like the Bills, who everyone's going to start maybe maybe throwing bets on, and 
thinking that they might be able to make a run, they're still 50-50 for the playoffs. Like, the fact of the matter is, this if you're ever going to be down, this is the year to be down because you have a good quarterback. You have you have a, a historically good coach in Andy Reid, although it's not looked like that this season. You have Andy Reid, you have Patrick Mahomes. You have to hope over the next month you can figure this out. And if you can do that, you've got a shot going to the playoffs. If not, you're going to probably lose your first playoff game. Yes, the Chiefs suck. But everybody else in the AFC does. That's see, th- this is this is just where I would but disagree. the backup quarterbacks you just try to bring up to me, they've won over the past two weeks. We oh, have not. Just because a quarterback is two and five as the starter does not mean I think they're beating the Chiefs. We just well, you know what? That was then. This is now. Patrick Mahomes sucks right now. Or at least just, his team does. We just saw Jake Browning against the Steelers. Couldn't throw the ball down the field at all. He looked like he was awful. He played. The Jaguars and he played the Colts. You know, I don't think the Colts are that good. That's because you're a hater. I, well, I've been telling you all year, I don't think the Colts are that good. They're, and the Colts are still in the are still in the playoffs right now, as we speak. So on top of that, the Bengals scored 34 points against okay. a trash fucking defense. That means that they'll just probably not score seven more points or seven less points in that game against the Chiefs. I'm going with the Bengals to beat the I, Chiefs because I, the Chiefs can't I, score. I am telling you, I mean, I you are completely missing what's happening in the NFL. You are delusional. You're not paying attention to what's actually happened over the past couple weeks. The the Jaguars aren't that good. Their defense has fallen apart. And then you play against you you have the Bengals who have beaten the Jaguars and they've beaten the Colts. Two teams that I don't think are that good. Just because you I'm win sorry, take it, beat two playoff teams. That means you're gonna beat three playoff teams, and the Chiefs don't even make the playoffs because they can't fucking score. The AFC, half of the AFC teams that are gonna make the playoffs have backup quarterbacks. They're not good. The Broncos as a team are better than the fucking Chiefs, okay? okay? There are three teams in the AFC that I think could make the Super Bowl. It is the Ravens, it is the Chiefs, and it is the Dolphins. Those are the only three. There will not be another team outside of those three in the Super Bowl. You can put a stamp on that right now. Yeah, you're drunk. Mark it, mark it down. None of those other teams are good enough to make the Super Bowl. Oh, and the Chiefs oh, are? Wilson. And the Chiefs are. The Chiefs can't even score. Checkdowns and whatever. He's not beating anybody in the playoffs. The Chiefs can't score, Jess. Get it through your biased mind you. and quit being a homer. The Chiefs can't score. I'm not being a homer. I'm telling you how. Yes, you are. I'm telling you what's happening in the NFL right now. The Chiefs haven't scored over 20 points for the past fucking two weeks. You are missing the point. Half of the playoff field in the AFC right now are backup quarterbacks. They and are they, not and they won. And they've they beaten not, teams over 500. They are not going to the Super Bowl. They're not winning three road games. The Chiefs lost to a team who's under 500. Backup quarterbacks don't win three road games in the playoffs. Name me one who has. The Chiefs have lost to a team who's under 500. That's right. You can't, you don't have a retort because you know I'm right. What was the question? I asked you, name the quarterback who's a backup who's won three road games because that's what the, that's what the AFC wildcard teams are going to have to do. Name, name a backup quarterback. Who's done well, I tell you two back. I tell you a backup quarterback who's won two fucking straight games no, over the past two I'm weeks. My hopes hasn't. I'm talking about three. You're gonna have to win three road games in the. Playoffs. I don't care about then. I'm talking about now. Okay, but I'm telling you that's why the Chiefs are still a Super Bowl contending team. Is because no. there's a backup quarterback who's gonna win. The three Chiefs games. lose to fucking Brian Zappi this week. The Chiefs are out of the fucking playoffs. Okay. You are you are too low on the Chiefs. Yes, the Chiefs have struggled. No, I have every right to be low on the Chiefs. It's not because I'm fucking being an asshole. It's because it's the truth. Man, they are the number- Mahomes, Mahomes should be fucking scrutinized for his fucking bullshit, fucking patty cake, fucking bullshit he had on the fucking sideline. The, the Chiefs are the number three seed in the AFC. 
There's and no that's not perfect. saying a shit ton because of what you just said. There's no good team in the AFC. Yeah, there are three teams that can make the Super Bowl out of the AFC. I'm trying to tell you this. There are only three of them. It is the Ravens, who you can't really trust, the Dolphins, who haven't beaten the team over 500, and then the Chiefs. Those are the only three teams. Now, what does that tell you, Jess, about what you just said this entire time? But, yeah, you still think that those two teams that you just named, other than the Chiefs, have a better chance of making the Super Bowl than any, anybody else. Stop it. Stop yeah, it. I, I tell you right now, it's going to be one Stop of those. Stop Jess. I, I would go ahead and put a bet on it that there's not going to be a team outside of those three in the AFC that makes the Super Bowl. It's going to be one of those three teams. So as bad as the Chiefs are playing right now, there's a month left in the season. It would not shock me if they're in the AFC Championship game with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. It's just you're too down on them. You're not recognizing the rest of the AFC is trash. I don't think Joe Flacco is winning three road playoff games. It's not going to happen. He's 40 years old, man. He's not doing that. Gardner Mitchell's not okay. winning road playoff games. Like, it's going to be one of those three teams because one of those three teams is going to have home field advantage. Can we move on? Yeah, because I'm right. You know I'm right. No, you're not right. We're just going in I'm, a circle here. But I will say this, what I just said a second ago. Patrick Mahomes little fucking patty cake bullshit he had on the fucking sideline and screaming at the refs. That fucking call itself is up. 212 this year. Last year, it was two. Know the fucking game, Patrick Mahomes, and quit bitching. I, I mean, he was right, though. They hadn't called He's that. He's not right. The fucking, play, the, the, the fucking calls themselves have gone up tremendously. We have seen, we have seen, and just if you watch Monday Night Football, the refs are allowing guys to line up like that, and they are picking and choosing when to throw the flag. They the only thrown, thing I would agree with Peyton Manning on is when he said, they have thrown one if you're going to fucking blow a call, on the team. stop the fucking play before it actually happens so we don't see what happens. That's the first thing he, he said. That's the first argument I've heard out of everything. And Patrick Mahomes crying like a little bitch doesn't help anything. Okay, well, let's go to the next disappointment. My yeah, number two disappointment is the Houston Texans. Just, I, you think I am too My number two disappointment is the Houston Texans. No, no, the Houston are, Texans look like fucking uh, garbage. You think I they look very, very bad against the Jets. The Jets beat them 30 the to 6. You are too down on the Chiefs. The Excuse me, we've, we've moved on to the fucking Houston Texans. Thank you very much. I, no, but I, C.J. I would, Stroud went 10 I for would, 23 for 91 yards. I would have, Horrible. I would have, he got hurt in his game. We don't know if he's going to play this week. But the Houston Texans, I've said it before, they've had horrible offensive lines. Their defensive line can't get to anybody. It's just a bad team. And then Tank does out for the season. This team, if he does not start may lose the rest of the games for the rest of the season. And they may, may miss the playoffs if he doesn't come back. C.J. Stroud is the life of this team. That is my number two disappointment of the week. Well, I'm going to go stick with the AFC teams. It is a team that one of the only three in the AFC that can actually make the Super Bowl because those there's only three teams in the AFC that are Super Bowl caliber. It's the Dolphins. The Dolphins are a disappointment. They should have beat the Titans. This would have been a huge win for them and could have given them a chance at the one seed because there's only three teams in the AFC. They can make the Super Bowl because the rest are backup quarterbacks who have to play road games, which doesn't happen. My number three disappointment of the week is that it's an actual game. It was between the Vikings and the Raiders. A fucking snooze fest. A horrible game. I've said it a million times on these podcasts. If the NFL does not change something for their backup quarterbacks to have at least 50% of the, rep, of the reps going forward, we're going to get fucking horrible games just like this. How the Raiders don't put up any points? You have Josh Jacobs, you have Jacoby Myers, you have Devontae Adams, and you put zero points up. And you're going against the third backup quarterback for the Vikings. Horrible game. 
This is a knock on the NFL for not fucking doing what's right for the backup quarterbacks in the, in the league. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Get your fucking shit together, NFL. Take these fucking prima donnas and fucking check these sons of bitches. That's my third disappointment of the week. What you got? You were just you were just a hater. That was a defensive masterpiece. Who Fuck doesn't like to go? Who doesn't like watching Iowa Northwestern three nothing? It's a, it was a defensive masterpiece. Your third disappointment of the week is who? It's the Jaguars' defense. This is why they are not a real contender. We saw Trevor Lawrence try to keep them in the game. He, I thought he played pretty violently with dealing with a bad ankle injury. Uh, he threw three picks, 28 to 50, 257, three touchdowns, three picks. I think what we saw from Trevor Lawrence is him maybe 50, 40, 50% trying to go out there and will his team to win. He, he made some mistakes, yeah, but I just you can't let Joe Flacco, who just was on the couch a couple weeks ago, 26 to 45, 311, Three touchdowns, one interception. You can't let them do that. The Jaguars' defense is bad. That's why they will lose in the playoffs. Is because some team, like the Texans or whatever, the Colts, they're gonna have Gardner Minshew throw for three hundred yards in the playoff game, and it's gonna annoy everybody. Except you. You'll you'll love Gardner Minshew throw for three hundred and three touchdowns against the against the Jaguars in the playoffs. My next disappointment is my number four disappointment of the week is the Los Angeles Chargers. They have, they can't do anything. They cannot do shit. At all. Justin Herbert had a, I think he's out for the season, obviously. Um, I think he hurt his thumb or his his something on his hand. He had enough time to put points up. But what did he do? He went 9 for 17, 96 yards, and threw a fucking pick. I'm starting to think that the guy who came out about eight weeks ago, maybe 10, to criticize Justin Herbert was right. He puts up numbers and he can't win you games. He's not that good. He's not a starting quarterback in the league. Do you remember the, when I brought that up, Jess, when the guy said that? They never identified who it was. But that may be becoming true, and it's not because of Brandon Staley. I think it might be just because Justin Herbert. No, I I think the issue with Herbert is that he's not as good as we think he is. I still think he is a good NFL quarterback. But I, I think the larger issue is that they hired Kellen Moore thinking he'd fix everything. But what happened after Kellen Moore left Dallas? Dak is having an MVP-type season. I think I think we overrated Kellen Moore and his effect on the Cowboys offense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then he comes to the Chargers and it's I mean, he, I know Herbert got hurt, but he was nine to 17 for 96 yards and interceptions. He was a complete mess. And I just I, I think Herbert's a solid quarterback. I think we've seen enough of him to know he's a solid quarterback. I think people overrate him by calling him like a top five quarterback or putting him on the same level as some of the other elite quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't think that's the case. Mm -hmm. And you put that in combination with having a coach and coaching staff that I don't trust, it, it creates chaos. And that's what we're seeing with the Chargers is a team that just, I don't know what I'm going to get for you every week. You can play the you can play the Ravens tight in a game, and then in this game you get blown out by the Broncos. Like, I, I don't know what I'm getting from you week to week. You're exactly right. Who's your number four, Jess? Lions and uh, the Lions and Jared Goff, a combination of the two. Jared Goff has to quit turning the ball over. If he keeps yes. turning the ball over, the Lions are going to lose in their first playoff game. You can see it coming a mile away. That the Lions are going to be favored big in their first playoff game. And he's going to have a couple bad turnovers, whether it be interceptions or fumbles, and it will cost him the game. He's got to he's got to quit that. And then the Lions so bad, Jess. His picks, his turnover rate has been so high over the past five weeks. It is really, really bad. It's astonishing. And in the Lions' effort in general, maybe it's just how the Bears play, but the Bears should be 2-0 against them this season. The Lions were able to come back, and they split 1-1. But in, I just they, – they look so uncompetitive against the Bears in this game. It was stunning to me. No, you're exactly right. Um, I don't know what he was doing. Um, you called this game also. You said that Justin Fields was going to beat, beat him because they almost beat him the first time. 
and they still had a chance to actually do what they did in the first game of the in the first game when they beat them earlier in the season. But the first game they had four minutes left. This one they had about five minutes and like forty something seconds left, and they were still down two touchdowns. Well, the first game they were down two touchdowns, and he came back and won. And before we get get away from before we get away from this game, I just want to say. Late in the season is when you start to see the real, like who the actual talented players are, starts to start to emerge. Because by then, teams have kind of seen what you're running, and there's not a ton more from coaching perspective you're bringing. A lot of it is just the players out on the field making plays. And what do we see? Justin Fields, when given the chance, is a really talented player, and that when coaching's not completely getting in the way, he's a really good player. That whether it's with the Bears next year or with a team that trades for him, he's a good quarterback, and I think he can be a quarterback of a good playoff team. This makes the game, the final game of the season for the Lions, that much more important against the Cowboys. And this depends on if the Cowboys can somehow clinch the number one seed over the Eagles or the fucking um, um, 49ers. 49ers. Because if they do, it's going to have to be smart for the fucking Cowboys to sit their starters in week 17. Yeah, there's 18 weeks now. I 18 weeks, I'm sorry. And, and when week 18, because look what happened last year. I think it was uh, Keenan Allen from the, it was the Mike, or it's Mike Williams. Mike Williams from the Chargers. He got hurt the last game, and they could have used yeah. him in the game against the fucking um, Jaguars. Yeah, That's I, stupid. They I, this is this game is going to be gigantic between the the Lions and the Cowboys. If the Lions don't get it together and they still can't beat the backups for the Dallas Cowboys, if that happens to be the scenario, no, I, the you, Lions are a massive you, fucking trouble. You're, you're awful weak. The, the Lions play the Vikings the next week to end the season. They play in week 17, they play the Cowboys, but in week 18, they play the Vikings. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, then still, that makes a huge difference regardless. Well, no, yeah, it, it, makes, it makes a huge difference because, because if you lose to the Cowboys, you then. Do you want to go in the playoffs, resting your guys off a loss, or do you want to – at this point, it's going to be hard for him to get the one seed. So, But if you lose to the Cowboys, you've lost a lot of big games here. Do you want to go into the playoffs coming off a loss and rest from your players, or do you want to try to play a little bit in that game and maybe risk someone getting injured? I think that's right. an interesting discussion to have if they do lose that game to the Cowboys. It's going to be very, very interesting going forward. I, I told you a couple weeks ago, you and I both said it, um, the games down the stretch of this season are going to be – pretty fucking great um who's your next disappointment my last disappointment of the week is the jacksonville jaguars trevor lawrence his completion percentage was 56 percent. that's under joe flacco's which was 57 percent. how does joe flacco keep getting these jobs <laughs> he's got he's got um sam bradford's fucking agent I mean, he just, he just he's gonna be in the nfl so he he's gonna be Vinny just the verity slain at 43 or 44 well I've heard from a whole bunch of fucking um, talking heads that if, uh, well, that would well, real quick, didn't that didn't after this game, didn't they send him back to the practice squad? Uh, no, I believe they, I, I believe they're about to sign him to their active, or they're looking to sign him to their active roster. See, I thought I heard something that they sent, they sent him down, and well, yeah, Flacco, he was just he was just a practice squad elevation in in this game. I think the belief is he will be brought up to the active roster. Gotcha. Okay. Which, I mean, at this point, you kind of have to. He's he's probably their best option, which is insane considering it's 2023. He played well in his game. He played yeah. really well. Um, yeah, no, he's better than a lot of the other guys that have been playing all year. I could agree with that. So the talking heads point I was going to say is I've heard since this game, um, they echoed a lot of the things you said regarding the Jaguars, that they're not that good. Um, but they said if 
the playoffs were to start and it came down between the Jacksonville Jaguars again and the Cleveland Browns and they had to face each other. Does any team want to see playoff Joe Flacco? That's an interesting point because in playoff games, he puts up very good numbers and he played really well during this game. I mean, wouldn't it be something if he's the one to bring Cleveland a fucking championship, Jess? I mean, it would be one of the craziest stories and they probably would have to beat the Ravens for that to happen. So that would make it even crazier for him to beat Lamar Jackson doing this after Lamar Jackson replaced him like six years ago. That would be that would be awesome. Um, but to, to go back to the to the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence at fifty six percent completion uh, percentage, twenty eight for fifty, two hundred fifty seven yards, three touchdowns, and three of the worst picks I've ever seen in my entire life. Who the fuck he was throwing to? I don't understand. Oh my god, I'm over here watching the game with the boys, and they're like, "Who the fuck's he throwing the ball to?" You talk about Trevor He's Lawrence, right? He's overthrowing these guys by 10, 20, 30 yards. You're talking about Trevor Lawrence, right? Yes. Yeah, I think the biggest issue with him is he wasn't healthy. We just you saw a quarterback go out there and play who wasn't healthy. This is why when people talk about oh Mahomes did his ankle injury wasn't that bad. This is what happens to quarterbacks who have that type of ankle injury is they look like Trevor Lawrence. They're not supposed to look like what Patrick Mahomes did in the playoffs last year. That's not supposed to be the given. That's supposed to be the anomaly. And see, folks, if you have a high ankle sprain, you can walk up and down, or how should I say, frontwards and backwards. As a football player, if you have a high ankle sprain, you cannot go left to right. It kills your ankle. It kills your leg. It kills your foot. It is so difficult to go left to right. He's in a lot of pain. He kept him in this game, but he also gave this game away. Hey, this is this is why this is why teams typically sit a quarterback in this scenario. Is that you know Trevor Lawrence is going to he's your best option at quarterback and he's going to want to go out there and compete. But the it's because he's trying to force things that the turnovers happen, and a lot of times teams would rather just have the backup who can just take care of the ball and be a caretaker as opposed to trying to go out there and force things. And that mm-hmm. that's the that's the give. You're, you're giving a little bit up. You're getting something. You're getting some stuff. That It's the give and get with the backup quarterback. Do you want to go with the guy who's going to be more conservative and take care of the ball, or do you want to try to go with your best option or quarterback? And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Okay, my other complaint about the Jacksonville Jaguars is Doug Peterson. So, so have you come onto the bandwagon that the Jaguars are it, – It's it, they haven't been able to take the next step? No, just, Jess. No, Jess, because of what I'm about to say. You and I both are huge fans of Trevor Lawrence. That is true. We both like him. What I'm starting to see is a problem between Doug Peterson and his preparation for games. I don't know what it is, but in games like this, against the third or fourth backup quarterback, he should have had a fucking game plan where they would destroy this fucking team. And to me, that's why I think Trevor Lawrence played. That's oh, yeah. a lot about Doug Peterson and his preparation for his team. Well, it just just to get get to that point, you're playing a team with what Joe Flacco's their is either fourth or fifth string backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's one of them. He's either their fourth or fifth string quarterback for the Browns. You would think going to that game, okay, well it's going to be a defensive game. We can play our backup and try to play a ball control type game. No, mm-hmm. you actually need Trevor Lawrence to play because you knew you needed points, and that's not a good expectation to have going into a game against a backup quarterback. Is it? We might need 20 to 30 points to have a shot against a, a team's fifth string or fourth string back of quarterback. Like that just that speaks to some of the problems that Doug Peterson has. I like Doug Peterson as a coach, I do but too. that speaks to some of the problems he has. Well, I also think that the, the offensive schemes that he's come up with for Trevor Lawrence, you may be right, but it's happened for weeks now. His design of plays 
or schemes offensively have not clicked with Trevor Lawrence. From what I've seen, they've been scattered. They've been erratic. I don't know if the playbook's too much where he's coming up with too much shit. I, I don't I don't know. Um, that may be a problem going forward with Doug Peterson and, and Trevor Lawrence together if they don't figure this shit out because their offense has been lackluster and we've seen that. I think they only scored, I think, three or seven points in one game this year, and that was horrible against a team they should have beat. That's my fifth disappointment of the week. Who's yours? Mine's the Eagles. I think what we saw is a team that we're starting to see their flaws exposed a little bit. We started to kind of see it against the Chiefs where the Chiefs really kind of beat up that offense. We then saw it against the Cowboys. We've seen it against the Cowboys. We've seen it against the 49ers. They have an issue on offense that they in pass protection, they they can be beat up by a defensive line. Sometimes against other physical teams, they can't necessarily run the ball consistently. The, their offense is a lot of take shots downfield, make big plays, and have Jalen Hurts run around. But when they actually have to have these 10 to 15 play drives, they can't necessarily do it consistently. And that's probably going to be the reason they lose in the playoffs is because a team like Dallas or San Francisco can score quickly. And the Eagles are just slow and prodding. And if they're not hitting big plays, they their offense is really severely limited. Well, Jess, and to be and and to piggyback off what you're saying, they had three fumbles, three by the quarterback, yep. by Swift, and by um um I don't have the stats in front of me, but there are all things that could have been avoided. You protect the football when you know they're coming behind you. Protect the fucking football. I, I can actually tell you who it was. It was Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, and Devontae Smith. AJ Brown and Smith. Okay, yep. I think I said Swift. I meant to say Smith. Gotcha. Horrible fucking protection of the football. And they each happen the exact same way when they're running forward and then you have a guy that comes behind them and knocks the fucking ball out. You protect the fucking football. It just doesn't make sense with the Eagles because if you look at the talent they have on offense, they should be better than this. You have... you have And A.J. Brown arguably is the second best wide receiver in the league. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard. DeAndre Swift at running back, like their offense shouldn't be struggling this bad. You look at a team, I would say like the Chiefs, the Chiefs don't have many weapons. Like their their issue is a lack of skill at receiver. The Eagles is just, I think, almost kind of a carelessness with the ball. And I, I, as good as their offensive line has been historically, I want to say it's kind of Jalen Hurstman being a little bit banged up and teams being physical with that offensive line. That when they're not punishing teams with the run game, or getting big plays downfield when they have to be methodical, they really struggle at that. Oh, I think you're exactly right. Um, it's that's something that we've said all year. They could lose in the first round of the playoffs. I don't care who they play. They play like that. Any struggling team who shouldn't even be in the playoffs but make the playoffs and play against them have a high chance of beating that team with all those fumbles. To your point, um, if they were playing a playoff game right now. They would be playing. They'd be going to Tampa to play the the Buccaneers. To me, that oh, would God. be. Yeah, I know the Eagles beat them up the first time, but that was early in the season. This is later in the season. You have guys beat up. I think that would be a sneaky game, just because the, the Buccaneers, while they have issues and Baker doesn't maybe look fully healthy, they are just good enough to keep a game competitive with the Eagles. And in a playoff game, if you keep a game close, you always have a shot. Absolutely. And you never know if you're going to get playoff uh, Baker, whatever the fuck that means. But that sounds good. <laughs> Um, my number five, uh, let's move on to uh, the next segment, Jess. The five surprises of week 14, teams, players, or coaches. My number one is the Los Angeles Rams. 
Even though the Los Angeles Rams lost this game, they look strong. They look great. I still think that they're the team that can beat the 49ers, and I think they're going to do it. Um, that's my number one surprise of the week is how good they played and how strong they look. Their defense is getting stronger and stronger more and more. Their offensive line has got to get it together, but I think they'll do good. If this team continues to progress, they'll look like the team that went to the Super Bowl two, uh, a few years ago. That's my number one. Who's yours, Jess? So I'll go ahead and give you my first two because we've talked about them quite a bit. It was it was Tommy DeVito and Will Levis for me, two young quarterbacks on teams that have had issues this year, and they had, I thought, two good games, and they were able to keep the teams in position to win the game and ultimately able to win the game. Okay. Um, I'm going to go for my number two, and that's the Brian Zappi. Uh, Bailey Zappi, I'm sorry, um, smacked the Steelers. He shouldn't have won that game. He went 19 for 28, 240 yards, three touchdowns, and one pick against a higher draft pick in Mitch Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes, who went 22 for 35, 190 yards, one touchdown, and one pick. Even the great defense of the Pittsburgh Steelers couldn't overcome this Patriots team. That's my number two surprise of the week. What you got, Jess, for number three? My, uh, Zach Wilson, actually. Uh, I think what we saw with Zach Wilson is that he went out there, and I really feel like, once again, I think I said it a little bit earlier, it was an indictment of Nathaniel Hackett and kind of their play calling. I felt like he went out there and he played, he was playing a little bit more free. That I don't think Zach Wilson's some great quarterback, and I don't think it's coaching necessarily that's the main reason he's been held back, but I think it's part of it. And I think with what we saw with Zach Wilson, he's went out there and he, he looked confident, and mm-hmm. I think that's part of the issue the Jets are going to face as they continue to deal with Aaron Rodgers is that you can't necessarily bring in all Aaron Rodgers' friends because that creates issues, and especially some of these guys are not particularly good at their jobs. Exactly. Let's see, mine is... The Chicago Bears defeating the Detroit Lions. For everything you said earlier, Justin Fields looked really good in this game, and Jared Goff looked really bad. The, the The fact that he's his turnover ratio has gone up over the past five weeks is extremely concerning. I love the Detroit Lions. I love the story. I love their head coach. I'm a huge fan of Jared Goff. I love all the players they have on offense. Um, the defense, I was against what you said last week, um, is a problem. Well, they're looking like it's a problem, Jess. Um, so you you are right on that. Chicago Bears, if they don't keep Justin Fields, I hope he goes to a good team because he looked really good in this game. That's my number three surprise of the week. What's next? What's your number four? For me, it was Joe Flacco. I think we just see Joe Flacco randomly at the end of the season get signed by a team, and he's on the team, and he's slinging it. I just This was one of the more surprising things for me just because, like, Joe Flacco, I don't know what he's been doing all year, but – he just randomly was the Browns quarterback, and then he's coming in and swinging the ball. So, Joe Flacco, my fourth surprise. Touche, touche, touche. Um, my number four surprise was the Denver Broncos beating the Los Angeles Chargers. It's a division rival. You know it's going to be tough. Justin Herbert had every component to, to score a touchdown against the Denver Broncos, but he didn't. Um, I think their backup quarterback is Stick or – let me see. Yeah, Easton Stick. He didn't do horrible. But hats off to the to the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson. They're seven and six right now. They're in the hunt still. They should have won last week's game or the week before's game. The the game before a week before, um, but the, that didn't happen. And he also threw two or three picks in the red zone, so that's not going to win you um, help you win any games. But uh, yeah, that's my number four surprise: is the Denver Broncos beating the, the Chargers twenty four seven. Who's your number five, Jess? It was actually someone we talked about a little bit. It was Jay Browning. He. It was against a banged up and bad Jaguar or 
not at Jaguars, Colts secondary. But I think what we saw is that the Bengals, this is what happens when you draft offensive skill talent, is it makes it easier for the quarterback. Yes, you're spending more resources on offense. But I don't think Jake Brown is particularly a great quarterback. But what, what do the Bengals have? They have really good offensive weapons. You saw T. Higgins had a pretty good game. Something called a Chase Brown. I don't know who he is. He, he came in and he had three catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. Mm. Uh, but th- this is why you draft offensive skill players is when you do have issues with quarterback, you have the talent to overcome it against other teams of similar skill level. The one thing the Colts don't have is a ton of great pass catchers, which means, which means you get a guy like Michael Pittman who had 11 targets. And then after that, the Colts didn't really have anybody else who was a go-to guy. So for me, Jake Browning, I thought he played pretty well. I think, Given the talent the Bengals have, it's not unexpected. But I I felt like he did his job in this game. Oh, he did. He really did. Um, that's a good pick. To close out this segment, my number fifth – or no, my number five surprise, my fifth surprise of the, uh, the week um, was and is still how in the fuck Ron Rivera and Brandon Staley still have their jobs. Oh, yeah. I can't really explain that one. That one's crazy. I don't understand it. Not to mention Arthur Smith. The – this these decisions by these organizations, it's been well documented how fucking shitty the organization is by the Washington Commanders. Well, Atlanta's not doing any better right now with fucking Arthur Smith at the helm, and the Chargers have always had a fucked up owner. Always. This these guys keeping their jobs makes no fucking sense at all. I don't understand. That's my fifth disappointment of the week. Moving on to the five I told you so's of week 14, teams, players, and coaches. What you got, Jess? Uh told you so the chiefs receivers are their biggest issue i'm with you on that that's my uh, number one as well the chiefs fucking suck that's what i have written down i would also go to say my number two um i told you so's have been the kickers the kickers in the 12 o'clock time frame this week were so bad they missed so many extra points and so many field goals i honestly i couldn't tell you how many times they missed I was trying to count, and there were so many. In every game in the 12 o'clock window, Central Standard Time, they were very fucking bad. That's my number two. Who you got for number two, Jess? Uh, so, for me, it's if you watch this game, you understand what I'm saying. The Bills are, sit, are still the same team. I, just because they beat the Chiefs, I don't think they're any different than they were coming into the game. They make a lot of stupid mistakes. Josh Allen has a bunch of bad turnovers, and their coaching is, while well, good, or uh, maybe good's a little bit too strong. While solid, they still make a lot of dumb decisions that can get them beat. Late Jess, in the game, he won this game to protect his head coach's fucking job. Sean McDermott late in this game had a chance to kind of run the clock out and kick a field goal. Instead, they throw three times to the end zone, and the Chiefs get the ball back. If not for a Kadarius Tony penalty, there's a legit chance Sean McDermott would have been fired this week because of how yep. bad he handled into that game. Agreed. So, so to me, I mean, you had the bad Josh Allen turnover. You had Sean McDermott at the end of the game giving the Chiefs way more time than they should have. To me, I, despite the fact they won, the Bills are the same team. I don't care that they beat the Chiefs. I don't care that Josh Allen did this or that. Like They're still the same team with the same quarterback. That's not a Super Bowl team at all. They may not even be a playoff team. Time will tell. It's going to get really interesting. My number three, I told you so, is that Derrick Henry sucks. He's not a good running back anymore. He has become Ezekiel Elliott. Kareem Hunt is a five times better running back than Derrick Henry. And Kareem Hunt has had a touchdown in every single game he's played in since he's been back. Derrick Henry's not a good quarterback. I said this a while ago. I'm saying again, he's not a good running back anymore. He's not the same Derrick Henry as of, as of old. He has become Ezekiel Elliott. That's my number three, I told you so. 
Who's your next? My number three, I told you, was the Dolphins can't be trusted. And we saw what happened when Tyreek Hill gets a little bit banged up. That their offense is built around Tyreek Hill and then getting Jalen Wild the ball based off of what Tyreek Hill is doing. And when one of them's not healthy, especially when Tyreek Hill is not healthy, they can't really do anything offensively. And they're not able to – they're a team that already struggles with good teams and beating teams that we know are good. If you're going to have a banged-up Tyreek Hill or banged-up Jalen Waddle, this team is severely limited offensively. They can't be trusted. Well, that's my number four as well. I've been critical of Mike McDaniel. He's not a, To me, he's an overhyped coach. He's an overrated coach, I should, I should say. Here we are giving criticism to Sean McDermott and the way he handled the, the, the end of that game against the Chiefs. Mike McDaniel should be criticized the same way. The way he let them come back and get in position for three straight drives, if they lose any more games, they should fire him, honestly. I don't think he's a good coach. I think he got lucky. That's my number four. Who's number five? Well, my, well, my number four is the Ravens are going to lose another bad game this season. I don't know if it's going to be the playoffs. don't know if it's going to be the regular season, but they have another bad loss coming. If you watch that Rams game, and not that I think the Rams are a bad team, but the way the Ravens play, they're going to have another loss in them that people are stunned by because that team just I, – I don't know exactly what it is, but – they have stretches where they they play really poorly. It's different than the team. Like, what 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 do we think with the Dolphins? With the Dolphins, it's when they're not getting the ball to Tyreek Hill and he's not making explosive plays. With the Chiefs, it's a lack of dynamic weapons making plays outside of Travis Kelsey or Patrick Mahomes. And with a team like the Bills, it's Josh Allen, his just erratic play, and Sean McDermott's kind of erratic coaching. When it comes to the Ravens, they just have stretches where they forget how to play offense and they forget how to play defense. And I think at least one more time this season, they're going to have a game where they, they just forget how to do everything and people are going to be shocked by it, but they should not. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. My, who's number five? My number five is Justin Fields. I think what we're seeing is Justin Fields is a good quarterback, but coaching has been the problem and his coaching becomes less of a problem and it becomes more about being healthy and just being better players than the other, or being a better player than what the other team has. Justin Fields is a good player, and you can win with Justin Fields. Real quick, before we go on to mine, um, speaking about the Chicago Bears, does Jim Harbaugh come to the Bears, or does he sign the extension with Michigan? I think he will. Sh- I-, I think he will sign the extension with Michigan, especially after being suspended. I think he's going to want to. I think he's going to want to stay at Michigan. But if the Bears are really serious about trying to win and build something more than just a good fringe playoff caliber team, they'd try to maybe go get Jim Harbaugh. And I remember I caught it first and you said you don't ever see it happening. No, well, I, I just, I don't see him leaving Michigan. I, I can't see him leaving Michigan. Okay. Um, My number five, we kind of touched on this earlier. There needs to be some type of oversight in game of the referees. I'm tired of them becoming the main focus of the game. I'm tired of them becoming the main focus of the cheese games. I'm tired of them just becoming the focus of any game. And to get no... And to, or to, how should I, to have no oversight over the things that I said that are important, people's money, people's time, people's frustrations. Check this fucking shit, NFL. I will stop watching these games if this shit continues to happen. Because it doesn't even make it fun to me. It doesn't make it entertaining to me. That's my number five. I told you so the week. Now let's move on. The NFL team to watch for going forward. Last week, I had a different team. There was the Colts. The Colts lost to a strong Bengals backup quarterback. We're probably going to beat the Chiefs eventually. Um, I, my team to watch out for is the Los Angeles Rams. They played good. They played strong. I think going forward, they can play just as strong or stronger. 
and hoping they do to make the playoffs. Who's your team to watch out for, Jess? My team to watch out for is I believe I'm gonna I, I believe I'm gonna go with the Cowboys. I'm gonna stick with the Cowboys. I think they're surging. I think they're taking the step I thought they would take maybe earlier in the season. But as we get later in the season and into December, I think they're starting to surge, and they're my team to watch out for. Okay. Worst team in the AFC, the New worst, England Patriots. Yeah, easily. Same for me. Um, worst team in the NFC. Uh, for me, the Washington Commanders. That, that team's just they're they're a mess. I know the Panthers are bad, but at least with the Panthers, you you drafted quarterback number one, and the season's gone south. You've already fired your coach, but at least you can hang your hat on. Hey, if we can fix the things around the quarterback, we maybe we have a chance. The Commanders. How they, dare you? They don't have a quarterback. How dare you? I've been saying this all fucking all fucking year. And now you finally say my argument. And then I, the fucking funny thing is, now I'm using your argument. The Carolina Panthers are my worst team in the NFC. This is the first <laughs> time I've done that. That is I hilarious. Even, I don't even think the Commanders played this week, but I just I was thinking about it and I was like, man, they stink. They don't have they don't have a quarterback that is going to be there probably that long. And they just I, that team's a mess. That's funny really that you go the other side of it too. That that's funny. That's great. Um, who's your best team in the AFC? I don't have a best team in the AFC. I think they're all kind of the same, but for just for the for the sake of this segment, I think I'm I'm gonna go with the Ravens, but that's very begrudgingly. I went I'm, I did the same thing, Jess. I have Baltimore Ravens by default. I don't because trust ult- them. Ultimately in the playoffs, it's gonna come down who's playing the best and who cannot make mistakes. Because I can see I could see most of these teams just doing a lot of dumb shit in the playoffs and us being confused as hell. I think the game should be entertaining because I think I don't think you're just going to see a team start blowing people out, but there's going to be a lot of bad football in the playoffs in the AFC. I just you can already see it coming. These games are going to be sloppy. Uh, I agree 100. percent And my best team in the NFC is the Dallas Cowboys. That's that is also my best team in the NFC. I went with them over the 49ers. I know the 49ers have beaten them multiple times, but I think I like how the Cowboys match up against the other teams in the NFC maybe more than I like the 49ers against some of the other teams. That I think they you know, both match, I think they both match up well against the Eagles. But when it comes to a team like the Lions, I think the Cowboys match up much better against the Lions than a team like San Francisco does. Well, I've noticed something I've never noticed with their head coach. He's actually coaching. He's actually showing some type of personality when he coaches with the Cowboys right now. I don't ever see that in Mike McCarthy. He's not a type of guy that says, hey, look at me. I wouldn't even want to have a conversation with him, to be honest with you. He looks like a fucking boy and a dickhead. But now he looks like he's just a nice guy who's a, who's a head coach. I'm shocked to see that, to be honest with you. And to our last segment, Jess, if you want to do the games, week 15 predictions, let's give them. Okay, week 15. We're going to start with a Thursday night game. That's actually tonight, the, the Thursday we're, we're recording on a Thursday. It is the Los Angeles Chargers going to Vegas to play the Raiders. Vegas is a three-point favorite. This game will feature two backup quarterbacks. I guess because the Raiders are at home, I'm going to go with the Raiders. I will also go with the Raiders because they're at home, and I've not seen Easton Stick play, so I cannot give you analysis of Easton Stick. Yep, yep. We go to our first of two Saturday games. It is the Minnesota Vikings going to the going to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. Cincinnati is a three-point favorite. We, I don't think, are sure who's going to play. For Cincinnati at quarterback. I'm going to go with uh, Cincinnati. I think it would be Browning or McCarron. I'm going to go uh, Cincinnati. I will go with Cincinnati as well. I think the Vikings, they, they're dealing with injuries, and the quarterback's not playing with confidence right now. To me, that's a game the Bengals should win, but because there's backup quarterbacks, anything could really happen in that game. Correct. Our next game, the Pittsburgh Steelers go to Indianapolis to play the Colts. The Colts are a one-and-a-half-point favorite. 
I will go with the Steelers in this game. This is the game everyone's going to be on the Colts because the Steelers have looked so bad and that people will project or predict the Colts to bounce back. But this is the type of game that Tomlin steals a lot. So I will go with the Steelers in this game. I want to say the Steelers just because of what you said, but I trust Gardner Minshew more than I trust Mitchell Trubisky. So I'm going to go with the Which Colts. is not a bad – that's not a bad thought. Oh, actually, there, there's three games on Saturday. Uh, the third game on Saturday is the Denver Broncos going to Detroit to play the Lions. Lions are a four-point favorite. This is an exciting game. I don't know who to pick, to be honest with you, because you don't know how they're going to play. If, if the Lions play good, it's going to be an interesting game. If they yeah. don't, I don't know. I could see this being a Lions blowout or a close Broncos win. Just given how the Lions have played, it feels like it's going to come down to whether Jared Goff protects the ball or not. They're at home. So I'm going to go with the Lions to win this game, but I do not feel comfortable about this. Oh, me neither. I, I Honestly, I don't know. And the Lions have already lost at home, so they don't have home field advantage. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to go to the Sunday 12 game. We have the Chiefs going to New England to play the Patriots. The Chiefs are a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to go um, Bailey Zappi, the okay. New England Patriots. I would go with the Chiefs, but I do not think they cover in this game. I, I think this will be a game where give me a late Patriots touchdown. It'll be 20 It'll be twenty-four to, it'll be twenty-four to twenty, but the score won't be as close as it looks. But I think the Patriots cover. Yeah, I'm I'm going with the Patriots to win outright to cover. Okay, to cover. Uh, we have the New York Jets going to Miami to play the Dolphins. Dolphins are an eight and a half point favorite. I I kind of want to take the Jets. I, I'm with you. I'm I'm with you. I will I will take the Jets. I don't think they win this game, but just for argument's sake, I will go with the Jets. You know, the thing about this with the Dolphins, if they win, everybody loves them. If they lose, everybody shits on them. And they shit on Tua so much. I don't, I don't watch college football, but I guess he never showed any confidence when he played at Alabama. Well, Tua had and he won a national championship. That's what I don't understand. Yeah, Tua came off the bench in the national championship and won it for Alabama. But outside of that one game, it was very uneven with him. He had moments where he was really good and looked like the defensive best uh, quarterback in college football. Then he had stretches where he, it, it, it's like he just couldn't, and something wasn't clicking. And then he, his last season in college, he got hurt. Tua to, to just an odd quarterback because he has stretches where he looks good, but then he has stretches where he just is, it, it's bad. And given some of the talent the Dolphins have, it is a bit confusing, which is one of the reasons I'm going to go with the Jets. I, I think the Dolphins win this game, but I'll, I'll just go with the Jets for argument's sake. Okay. Next, we have the Houston. I'm going to go with the Dolphins just because okay. they're at home. Next, we have the Houston Texans going to Tennessee to play the Titans. Tennessee is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I will go with the Titans in this game. I'm not sure if CJ, what CJ Stroud's status is, but I will go with the Titans. I I just like the way Vrabel's got them kind of rolling as they look to finish strong late in the year. I'm with you. I'm going to go with the Titans as well. And on top of that, Tank Dell being out for the season for CJ Stroud, that's a huge hit for his confidence to to – to be able to get the ball down the field. Yes. So I'm going to go with the Titans. Our next game. Even if, even if CJ Stout starts, I'm going to go with the Titans. Our next game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers go to Green Bay to play the Packers. The Packers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I, I think I'm going to go with the Buccaneers in this game. I mean, the Packers are at home, but I I don't really trust either of these teams. I'll go with the Bucs because I think they're a little bit more – you can trust them a little bit more than the Packers, I think. Well, what's crazy is I think it's probably about an even matchup. I don't know. You said they're, they're three-and-a-half-point favorites. The Packers are. But – if you look at the way both quarterbacks play, they they throw the same fucking way. Baker will overthrow a ball. He'll throw an ugly pick. Jordan Love will do the same thing. And Baker will underthrow a fucking uh, a pass really, really bad. And Jordan Love will do the same thing. But 
I trust the Buccaneers more because I trust Mike Evans more than anybody between these two teams. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Our next game, the New York Giants go to New Orleans to play the Saints. Saints are a six-point favorites. You can put me down for the Giants upsetting the Saints right here. I do not trust Derek Carr. I don't trust Derek Carr either. I'm going to go with the New York Giants. And and I think some of it is like, man, just because they look good against the Panthers last week, but that team, the Panthers are a complete mess. I, I will go with the Giants because I think I – Despite the fact that I've, and some of the issues I've had with DeBall this season, I think he's a better coach than Dennis Allen. And no, I don't think so at all. I don't think. Oh, so you, at all. you think Dennis Allen's better? I think DeBall is a better coach than Dennis Allen. I will you and I him. have even said earlier this season, Dennis Allen is a really good coach. He just has Derek Carr as his quarterback. Well, yeah, that's part of the issue. Oh, and uh, Derek Carr, um, I believe that he informed the media that he's had three broken ribs, and he hasn't told anybody about it. Well, if I mean, you're not fucking, if you're not fucking telling the team to put your team in the best scenario to win, you're hurting your own team. I mean, j- j- just uh, we're we're on this, so we we talk about it now. How bad that Panthers Saints game was. At one point, Derek Carr had like 12 completions for like 20 yards. It was bad. He yeah. finished in 18 to 26 for 119 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. James only- J- yeah, James Winston should be playing for them right now. Yes. I don't- but I think Jameis should be playing for him right now. But Jameis Winston throws a lot of picks. I mean, he throws a lot of picks, but you had Carr throw a pick last week, and he's averaging four yards a pass. Yeah, that was bad. Like this, well, this on top of that, I, I, I say I trust the receivers more on the Saints than I do the Giants. Yeah, Chris Olave is the prob- is probably the best player, will probably be the best player on that field out of both teams. The, the one thing I'll say about this is that this is probably going to be a low-scoring the, the thought is this is probably gonna be a low scoring game. So we want to start Derek Carr who will protect the ball in a low scoring game. But I think I would actually think opposite in this game. And I'd want to try to score a point. Hey, can we score 30 points with Jameis? I think that's possible because Jameis likes to sling it. And the question is, can your defense hold Tommy DeVito under 30 points? And I think the answer to that is probably yes, which is why I would play Jameis in a game like this. I will go See, with I'm the Giants. Give you my, you're, I'll go Giants. With the Giants. you're gonna go with the Saints. No, I'm going to go with the Giants, too, okay. because I don't trust Derek Carr. Uh, yeah. But I'll tell you this. It's going to be a close, high-scoring game. I'm going to say, I say 28-26, Giants. Our next game, the Atlanta Falcons go to Carolina to play the Panthers. The Falcons are a three-point favorite. I don't know, Jess. You don't know what team. I mean, I, I, I have to I go with the Falcons. I with the Panthers in this game. I, I kind of want to go with the Panthers as an upset pick. I do, too. But the, on paper, the Falcons are a better team, even with their fucking quarterback. Yeah, I just... The question to me is, are we going to get Desmond Ritter from last week or are we going to get Desmond Ritter from like a couple weeks ago where he can't throw the ball more than like five yards down the field and mm-hmm. there's a bunch of turnovers involved? Mm-hmm. Because if he turns the ball over in this game, the Panthers are going to have a shot. Oh, absolutely. And on paper, the entire roster as a whole is better with the Falcons. But again, unless Desmond Ritter turns the ball over fucking four or five times, the Panthers win this game easily. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with the Panthers. Yeah, I'll go with the Panthers. Our next game, Chicago, the Chicago Bears go to Cleveland to play the Browns. Browns are a three-point favorite. I'm gonna go with the Bears in this game. I don't know. I'm gonna go with the Browns. I think that the pressure that they put on on, on a on mobile quarterbacks, they're able to contain them a lot more than, than so than 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 the Lions do. Um so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Browns. And I, I think that's a fair spread, but I could also see it being seven, uh, twenty to seventeen. So the Browns. Our next game, the San Francisco 49ers go to Arizona to play the Cardinals. San Francisco is a 12 and a half point favorite. This is a sneaky game. It, mm-hmm. This is a game where 
the 49ers can't afford to come out and sleepwalk because I think the Cardinals with Kyler Murray are just good enough to put a little bit of a scare in you. I will go with the 49ers, but this is a game where if they sleepwalk through this, this could get this could get tight late. I agree 100%. Um, I've also praised even the players that they have on the Arizona Cardinals. Um, they play tough and they play they play hard. But Kyler Murray's a difference maker. The guy can launch that fucking football down the field, even with nobodies. So I'm going to go with the 49ers, but I, I, everything you said, I echo. This could be a close game. Our next game, Washington Commanders go to Los Angeles to play the Rams. Rams are a six and a half point favorite. Put me down for the Rams. Easy. I I just, the the Commanders to me look done. Yeah, I'm going with the Rams. The Commanders look like they're planning their trips to Cancun. Yes. The Dallas Cowboys go to Buffalo to play the Bills. The Bills are a two point favorite. Put me down for the Cowboys to win this game. This game, this game feels like the Bills will maybe be in control most of the game. Josh Allen will have a bad turnover, or they'll just do something dumb from a coaching perspective. Dallas will win the game. I just, I, I don't trust the Bills in these types of games. They got lucky last week, and they were fortunate some things broke their way, despite the fact they tried to, to cut their arm off. Um, I, I will go with the Cowboys in this game, though. The Cowboys should win this game. This is going to be the third team over 500 that they want to run the gauntlet on. This is going to be a difficult game, um, but I won't be surprised if the Bills win. But we're also talking about Josh Allen, who throws a pick. He he's J- Jared Goff has become Josh Allen. J- Josh Allen has become more Josh Allen. So you don't know what's going to happen of how of what level of Josh Allen you're going to get. He could throw one pick a game. To, to me, four. To me, this is a big game for Dak. If you want to be the MVP and you want to showcase your your stats as the MVP, you go into Buffalo and you win this game. Because at this point, I agree. And, and, and to be fair to what you're saying, Josh Allen has been ranked above Dak, at least in in MVP talks over the past few years, at least five to one. And the Bills are getting some hype this week. And it, if you're Dak and you basically affect, if you win this game, you effectively end the Bills season. That does a lot uh, to me. That does a lot for your MVP candidacy if you're Dak. Mm-hmm. Sunday night football: the Baltimore Ravens go to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars. Baltimore is a three and a half point favorite. This to me is a, the ultimate coin flip game. Yep. Jess, I, we need we need Trevor Lawrence to win. Yeah, I, everything is telling me the Ravens will win this game, but everything was telling me the Ravens would win the Rams game, and they let the Rams hang around, and probably they should have lost that game. They got fortunate. I don't think the Jaguars' pass defense is that good, but man, I just I'll I'll begrudgingly go with the Jaguars. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with the Jaguars. Also, we need them to win for the Chiefs' sake. Mm-hmm. We needed the we needed the Rams to win last week because of Chiefs' sake. We need the fucking Jaguars to definitely win for the Chiefs' sake. If the Chiefs want that fucking number one seed, Monday Night Football, the Philadelphia Eagles go to Seattle to play the Seahawks. Philadelphia is a three and a half point favorite. This is this feels kind of like a do or die game for the Eagles. If they lose this, if they lose this game, they could probably waive any discussion of the one seed goodbye, and they probably will lose the division. Well, I must say this. You, if, if Geno Smith starts, it's going to be a competitive game. If he does not, the Eagles take this game because Drew Locke is not going to put up fucking 400 yards and four touchdowns. He's not going to do it. Did you say who's starting this game? Uh, I do not know who's starting this game. Well, see, if, if Geno Smith starts, yeah. If not, because Geno Smith had that groin injury last week. So I'm going to go with the Eagles. I have to go with the Eagles. I want, I want Pete Carroll and the Seahawks to fucking win, but. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I'll go with I'll go with Eagles as well. But if Geno plays, I think it could be competitive. And that will wrap it up for our Week 15 predictions. Can't wait. Um, have to put some bets on uh, some games and see how it goes. Thank you, folks, for joining us. 
for the referendum week 14 review, week 15 predictions. Jess, any last words before we go? Uh, this is the time where you're going to see teams either start to get things together or they're going to, they're going to, the bad play is going to ruin their seasons. I mean, we, we already see a team like the commanders who have just quit on the season. Uh, well, we're going to, over the next month, start to see teams either emerge and some teams maybe start to fall back. It's going to get real interesting. Thank you guys. Please listen to us on any platform where there's social media. We are there. Finflamsports.com, Finflamsports, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We are there. I'm your host, Big John. He's Jesse J. And we are out of here. You don't stop happening in the world today. You don't. You don't. You don't. We need to make a change one day. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Referendum Podcast brought to you by Fin Flam Sports. We would like to invite you to like us on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you can find somebody, we are there. TikTok, please like, subscribe, follow, whatever you can do to give us your support. We truly appreciate it. We hope to see you next time.